Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Ray Epps, the most innocent and wrongly persecuted noble victim in America, tries to prove once and for all that he's definitely not a Fed. Was he able to make his case? You decide. This is the Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley, and as you can see, I'm wearing my Atlanta Hawks jersey. This is a Dominique Wilkins jersey. I'm wearing this in honor of the Hawks' comeback win against the Celtics last night and that deep three that Trey drilled with a second left. I don't think for a second the Hawks are going to come back and win this series, but I am going to enjoy what was probably their last win of the season. Okay, so the background image you see behind me today is from an AI art generator called Stable Diffusion. And this image is what it created when I prompted it with the phrase, Agent Provocateur Ray Epps. It made an image, along with three other images, all four of which are black guys. It does the same thing when you just put in Ray Epps without Agent Provocateur. Also, when you put in his full name, which is James Ray Epps Sr. Same when, it, when you do just James Ray Epps, as well as when you just put in James Epps. Every single image it creates is of a black guy. I, I find that to be interesting because... The images created by these AI art generators are based on what they, quote, learned from, like, all of the publicly available data that exists on the Internet. Which means that this thing must not have encountered very many images of white dudes named Ray Epps during all of its learning. Now, it must have come across... A black guy whose name is Ray Epps, who played like 13 games in the NBA in the 70s, because some of the images kind of look like that guy. But with all of the access to all this info, all this data on the web and the ability to comb through it so quickly, how come Stable Diffusion's AI art generator learned that people named Ray Epps are always black guys? I think there's something to that. Like my first thought was maybe, maybe Ray Epps isn't White Ray Epps' real name, but then I found some court documents from the early 2000s, which I'm pretty sure are him. He got arrested, I think, for trespassing in Arizona, like in 2003. And it does have his, you know, the names match up and stuff, and so do the locations. So then I got to thinking that maybe they just wiped all of the pre-January 6 photos of White Ray Epps from the web. So then I tried to, to find some, and I couldn't. I didn't, I didn't search for too long. But I did do a time-specific search for the pre-Jan 6 images and even tried to rule out any January 6-related images, but it wouldn't let me. So I'm searching from like in between the year 2000 and the year 2016. And the only images that are showing up are still the January 6 images. I, I'm even putting minus Jan, minus 6, minus January. Still, only images that show up are January 6-related and later. I think maybe they wiped all the images pre-Jan 6. Why would they do that? I don't know. I mean, maybe some of those images might have fueled these, quote, conspiracy theories that he's a Fed. 
Although I think removing them, if they did, if my theory is correct, I think that actually fuels those theories more so than leaving them does. That is unless it's just a bunch of pictures of him in an FBI jacket or something like that. So I watched the 60 Minutes Ray Epps interview and it was ridiculous. It was stupid. And it was a rather insulting attempt by 60 Minutes to use dramatic pauses and serious facial expressions to make us think that what they were doing was actually real journalism. It wasn't. I'm sorry, 60 Minutes. Being really old and having a serious look on your face doesn't make what you're doing legitimate. I mean, 60 Minutes tries to masquerade as this highbrow intellectual news show that, you know, is out there doing real respectable journalism. That's not what they are at all. Not in any way. What 60 Minutes really is, is geriatric community theater. It's televised. I mean, the melodramatic acting from this collection of centenarians is painfully bad. What's the age requirement to work at this place? Almost dead? I'm sorry, ma'am. Your credentials look great, but you're only 86 years old. We just can't hire you. Try again in 20 years. Okay, so we're going to go through the clips, some clips of this ridiculously stupid interview, just so we can make fun of it, and because I want to at least pitch his case to you guys or let you guys decide if you think Ray Epps made a good case that he's not a Fed or not working with him, or if you still think that maybe he is. So evaluate the evidence with that in mind, and we'll see what conclusions everybody comes to. One quick thing that I I did notice before we start the clips is that, and this is a direct result of the Fox Dominion settlement, people who have been willing to talk about these strange things about Ray Epps that, you know, might have made people think that he is working with the feds, they've only talked about that stuff after giving a long list of qualifiers, like, To be clear, there's no evidence that he did anything. He's not guilty. He's not a Fed. But, and they're doing that because they're terrified of being sued for defamation by Ray Epps. Even though the defamation case against Fox News was never actually tried, the self-policing effect has set in. People potentially avoiding subjects involving possibly true things over the fear of a defamation lawsuit. Okay, so the premise of this interview here is that Epps is definitely not a Fed. He's actually a victim. And Tucker Carlson is a big villain who ruined Epps and his wife's life, forcing them to live in hiding inside of an RV. And all of this begun with those claims that Epps is a Fed, which Tucker amplified on his show. And in this first clip here, listen to where they claim these Fed accusations originated from. Some people have said, well, just let it go and let it die down. It doesn't. What they don't understand is it doesn't. What exactly was the role of Ray Epps in the chaos of January 6th? The theory, Epps, a former member of the Oath Keepers, was an FBI informant who incited the crowd on January 6th, bubbled up from a right-wing news site called Revolver News, run by a former Trump speechwriter. He's the smoking gun of the entire Fedsurrection. And landed on Fox News primetime. According to a new investigation from Revolver, Epps may have led the breach team that first entered the Capitol on January 6th. The convoluted conspiracy theory made its way to Capitol Hill. It's not the Proud Boys who engage in the initial breach. It's Ray Epps at that precise moment. 
How did Ray Epps know that there were going to be pipe bombs? Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? Okay, so it was Tucker Carlson and Fox News responsible for the bubbling up of this theory that originally came from a Trump supporter, his news website, Revolver, had nothing to do with the reputation of the FBI to do undercover operations or Ray Epps' behavior on that day. Absolutely nothing to do with those things. They blame this Revolver guy as though, the Trump supporter, as though if his website had never written a word about Epps, then none of this would have ever happened. No one would have thought that he was an undercover Fed, not in a million years. Nothing about his strange behavior would have made anyone suspicious. I mean, this is ridiculous what 60 Minutes is suggest suggesting here. Revolver is not why people started accusing him of being a Fed. The person responsible for that is Ray Epps himself. If you don't want people accusing you of being an undercover Fed, don't get in front of a camera and start acting like an undercover Fed. Because that's where these claims originated. People saw him in these weird videos doing things like, I don't know, riling up Trump supporters and telling them they need to go in the Capitol, which is illegal. That's encouraging illegal behavior. People saw that and they thought to themselves, oh, a Fed. 60 Minutes is simply trying to discredit the claim overall here by attaching its origin to a Trump supporter's website. Common tactic because they think people are stupid that you can get them to not believe anything if you just say someone who likes Trump said it. That's how much that's how much they think of people's intelligence is that how often they use that tactic. But the problem here with what they're trying to do is people have eyes and people have ears and they also have an understanding of the FBI's long history of using paid undercover informants to basically entrap people and then turn right around and arrest those same people for terrorism and domestic terrorism charges. I mean, the mainstream media used to write about this all the time. Look at this from The Intercept in 2016, I believe, or 2015. The Sting, How the FBI Created a Terrorist. Now let's go to another one. This one is from March of 2022, just last year. Echoes of FBI entrapment haunt failed plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmore. It becomes really dicey when there are nearly as many informants as there are defendants, a, feder a former federal prosecutor told The Intercept. Well, of course it does. Look at this one. The anatomy of a federal of a federal terrorism prosecution, a blueprint for repression and entrapment. This is from Columbia Law University or Columbia Law, excuse me, from Reason back in 2022. It's almost always the feds. How the FBI fabricates schemes to entrap would be radicals. The FBI has a long history of using informants and manufactured plots to prosecute extremists. And you go over here, The Intercept again from 2017. The unlikely jihadi. The FBI pressured a lonely man into a plot, into a bomb plot. He tried to back out. Now he's serving life in prison. Hmm. 18-year-old arrested on terrorism charges is mentally like a child. And that's what they do. They try and find the dumbest people. I don't mean to call somebody who has mental problems dumb, but the people who can't comprehend really what's going on, and they surround them with a bunch of feds that are like encouraging them to break the law and then saying, Okay, now that we've got you ready to do it, here's the bomb that they got from like CIA headquarters in Langley or something like that. And then as soon as he takes it, they, they arrest him. Here's one, how the FBI invents terror plots to catch wannabe jihadis. Another one right here. The FBI's mafia-style justice to fight crime, the FBI sponsors 15 crimes a day. 
And the FBI does, in fact, authorize its informants to commit crimes while acting in their position as an undercover informant. It's all in the Department of Justice's rules regarding the use of undercover informants. And not just small crimes either, like murder in some cases. Plenty of documented cases of undercover informants committing murder while acting for the FBI. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. And, you know, if they'll authorize murder, then I bet they might be willing to authorize someone going and doing an interview with a news organization and lying to them. They're probably okay with that, if I had to guess. I mean, this stuff is well documented. And the public is not dumb to it either. People have read the stories. Many have read the court documents, which describe the Fed's behavior and the tactics they use while doing this. And when people have this knowledge about this stuff, and then they see a video of a strange guy behaving just like the undercover Fed they just read about in a court document, same way, well, they're going to be a bit suspicious. Because, you know, the old saying, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck... It's probably an undercover Fed. And this 60 Minutes guy, he really had the nerve to call it convoluted to believe that Feds might be involved in January 6th. When, when just a few months ago, in February, I think, there was a story, many stories about how the FBI paid a felon to infiltrate Black Lives Matter at Denver for the purpose of sowing chaos from within and undermining their organization, which I believe he successfully did. I mean, that happened, and that wasn't convoluted because all of the mainstream media reported on that and seemed to be pretty upset about it. Yet now, to believe that the same thing might have happened on January 6th, well, that's convoluted and probably a Russian disinformation plan. Okay, next clip. They really hone in on Tucker as the bad guy in this one. And we also get to hear the interesting explanation of Tucker's behavior from Ray Epps himself. I think that you'll find it very insightful, maybe. That question has animated Fox News host Tucker Carlson for nearly two years. Ray Epps? 
He's on video several times encouraging crimes, riots, breaches of the Capitol. Carlson has focused on Epps more than 20 times on his top-rated show, a half dozen times so far this year. He's obsessed with me. He's going to any means possible to destroy my life and our lives. Why? To shift blame on somebody else. If you look at it, Fox News, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Ted Cruz, Gates, they're all telling us before this thing that it was stolen. So you tell me, who has more impact on people, them or me? What did he say? Who has more impact on people, them or me? I'm not quite sure what he said there. Obsessed with him? Really? What was this guy? AOC? He thinks everybody wants to date him? Perfectly reasonable explanation there. Tucker Carlson, who did not himself tell anyone to go into the Capitol on that day, yet he still knows that he is basically responsible for everything that happened on January 6th. And so he's only asking questions about Ray Epps, not because Epps is actually on camera telling people that they need to go into the Capitol, but because Tucker wants to save himself and destroy the life of this 66-year-old man who, for whatever reason, he has become obsessed with. I couldn't think of a more logical explanation than Ray Epps just gave there. Why didn't you just tell us this two years ago, dude? We could have stopped talking about it. Man, what 60 Minutes is doing here goes hand-in-hand with the Dominion settlement, with Tucker's firing. This interview happened the night before Tucker got fired, and this is all sending a signal to the American public telling us you better not keep asking questions about 2020 election, even if there are unanswered questions, glaringly unanswered questions about suspicious behavior that you saw for yourself with your own eyes and ears on video, as in the case of Epps here. It starts to kind of feel like it's, you know, if you see what looks like it could be criminal activity going on right there in front of you, you better keep your mouth shut and look the other way. I mean, that's what this stuff is starting to feel like. And you have people who are just brainwashed defending it. It's crazy. Next clip. This is one of my favorites because it's just comically stupid. They take us back to the night this all started for Epps, these accusations. And that was the night of January 5th, 2021, when Mr. Epps here was at a Trump rally in D.C. Listen to how they frame him in portraying this story. This is some shameless propaganda, if I've ever seen it. And for context, what you're going to be watching here is he's at this rally and Epps is doing a live stream. Like somebody is pointing their iPhone camera rig at Epps and he is facing directly to camera, talking to it. And you can see the live stream chat comments rapidly scrolling up the screen as he talks. See if you can tell what some of them say. I'll point them out after the clip's over, but you might be able to see some that, that I missed. Look, look, there's one, I have the thing on, I didn't mean to have it set up right there, but you can see the one that says works for Soros <laughs> right there. Okay, let's get this to the beginning of the clip. Here we go. Epps went to Washington with his 36-year-old son and almost immediately stepped into trouble. The conspiracy theory starts here, the night of January 5th. Give me one minute. Give me one minute. On the streets of D.C., tensions were running high at a pro-Trump rally being live-streamed on the Internet. The Marine veteran tried to take charge. 
out there. I'm probably going to go to jail for Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. No! No! Peacefully. Fed. 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 Okay, there was, there's a lot going on there. The language that was used by 60 Minutes by Epps himself, what Epps was doing in that crowd there, because this was, we, we're only getting a piece of this. There was a lot that happened leading up to that, and obviously stuff that happened after uh, as well. Did you notice the use of the phrase, he stepped into trouble almost immediately? Stepped into it, you know? Like it was dog waste, trouble was. Trouble was dog waste on the sidewalk that he didn't see, and oops, happened to step into it. Just bad luck. I mean, they make it sound like this guy was just walking around, minding his own business, when all of a sudden, to no fault of his own, tensions began bubbling up around him nearby. It just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. But being the good guy as he is, he wasn't going to stand idly by and do nothing. That's not in his nature. So he did what heroes do. And he stepped up to try and help, or as 60 Minutes put it, to try and take charge of the situation. He's a regular old John McClain in this situation that he just happened to find himself in. None of that is true. Like, none of it. First of all, he didn't step in to trouble. He was the one causing the trouble in what appears to be very deliberate fashion. He wasn't minding his own business when he noticed tensions around him. He was the one causing the tensions. Epps was clearly already the center of attention when the clip they played started, and everyone in that area was already reacting to him. It was not the other way around. 60 Minutes spent this whole video telling us that we were seeing one thing when we were very obviously seeing the opposite. The live stream thing, they said he was at a Trump rally that was being live streamed. Just happened to be at a rally that was being live streamed, you know, as though the only reason he was on camera is because of that. Like it was an unintentional thing being caught on video. Yet at the beginning of that clip, he was very clearly and intentionally appearing on a live stream. One that, judging by all of the comments and how fast they were moving, was probably being watched by thousands of people. I mean, it could have been his live stream for all we know. The person filming it kind of looked like his son. We see one thing, 60 Minutes tells us we're seeing the opposite, which they do yet again when they try and make it look like the reason he steps away from the camera and goes over to that group is because that's the tension that he was recognizing and hoping that he could go help defuse, only then to be misinterpreted by the mob and accused via chant of being a fed. No good deed goes unpunished, right? Yet what was clearly happening there was Epps was agitating both online and off. He was talking to the live streamers, and then he stepped back over to the group that he was, what appeared to be, looked like he was trying to mobilize that group for the purpose of giving them a specific call to action to try and get them to take tomorrow, the next day. Let's dissect that part just for a moment here. Like a good activist organizer might do, which he definitely was demonstrating the behavior of. He goes over to that crowd and gets people's attention, commands that attention because he has some instructions for them. And he tells them, he says, I'm going to put this out there. I'll probably go to jail for it. I'm going to stop it there. That is exactly what an organizer would say, that type of thing, because they try and make the people who they're trying to mobilize believe that they themselves are 
willing to put their body on the line and go to jail for the cause, so everyone else should as well. Common tactic. The statement also shows that he knew very well that what he was about to tell them to do was illegal. I mean, why else would he say that he could go to jail for telling them to do it if he didn't know he was about to instruct them to do something illegal? That's at the heart of this. That's kind of how you, you, start, you identify someone who might be a fed is when they're trying very hard to get you to break the law. Then he gives them the call to action. He says, tomorrow, we need to go in to the Capitol. In to the Capitol. He puts special emphasis on the word in both times, even stronger the second time, a bit stronger. He didn't say we need to walk to the Capitol and stand outside. He said we need to go in the Capitol. Textbook agitator tactics that we are seeing this guy use right here. And he had obviously been doing it long before the, the clip that 60 Minutes played started because when the video began, we see all the, the comments in the chats of the live stream he's doing, and people are already calling him a Fed, a Fed boomer, an Antifa plant. They're yelling at him from behind. It's, this had obviously been going on, which, by the way, in the previous clip I played, did the 60 Minutes guy not tell us that this so-called conspiracy theory, as they call it, that Epps is working with the feds, that it originated on a Trump-supporting magazine called Revolver, which clearly it didn't, because we just watched dozens of people chant fed at him before anything had been written about January 6th, before January 6th had even happened. This was January 5th, so they're clearly lying. I mean, we know that, but it's just so brazen and obvious with their lies. Some people may point to him saying in that clip there that he did say peacefully. You know, right there after somebody shouted no when he tried to, when he told them to, to go in the Capitol, he softly said peacefully. It doesn't matter. He's still telling them to break the law. Telling people to break the law peacefully is still telling them to break the law. They try to equate all of this that he's saying here with what Trump said. Like they say, well, what he said is nothing. I mean, Trump told people during his speech that day that they're going to walk to the Capitol peacefully. They even play some clip montages, uh, kind of you know making that parallel. There's a big difference there. Trump did not say we're going to go in the Capitol. Epps did. One is telling a mob to break the law; the other is not. It's a major difference. And the deliberate way that Epps does all of this really hurts his "I'm not a Fed" claim, especially since he's on camera telling people to break the law, and then the next day, a bunch of people could go do exactly. What he said to do, breaking the law, going in the Capitol, and ultimately end up getting arrested. I mean, the, the guy must be, he's like a Nostradamus here with, you know, things happening that he said would happen the night before. I guess when he said, I might get arrested for this, he meant all of you might get arrested for this because I'm not actually going to do it. Just going to try and get you to do it. Also a common activist tactic. I mean, this, this guy couldn't... I'm not saying he's an activist, don't want to get sued. I'm just saying that all of this behavior is the behavior that you see from activist organizers, provocateurs. With that said, let's look at the definition of agent provocateur, you know, with that in mind that Epps was telling people to break the law. And many did. Did they hear him? Who knows? People did exactly what he said to do. Here's the definition one. It says, 
The name Agent Provocateur refers to actors in a clever, controversial ruse used by countless authorities that wish to make arrest, but don't yet have evidence of a crime taking place. Another one, this one from the Oxford Dictionary of Law. An agent provocateur is one who purposefully lures or persuades someone into breaking the law when that person may not have done so otherwise and then turns them over to the police. Couldn't hit the nail on the head more with that one. From an article on the history of agent provocateurs, the accusation that authorities have incited a crime is often enough to discredit the accuser in the eyes of the public. And such charges are often given much media attention. Exactly what is going on here? The notion of agent provocateurs perhaps gained most of its notoriety in connection with the controversial tactics used by the Federal Bureau of Investigation over the course of the 20th century. FBI agents have been accused in countless books of posing as radicals in various organizations, from the Ku Klux Klan and the American Nazi Party to the Communist Party and civil rights groups. A 1976 report by the U.S. Senate Committee on Government Operations found that Unsavory and vicious tactics have been employed in the drive to collect intelligence from Americans, including anonymous attempts to break up marriages, disrupt meetings, ostracize persons from their professions, and provoke target groups into rivalries that might result in deaths. But yeah, yeah, there's no way he's an agent provocateur. Okay, next clip. 60 Minutes dude here. Ask Epps why he told people to go in the Capitol. I think you'll think you'll like his answer, or maybe you'll hate it. To some in the crowd, Epps seems so over the top, he must have been a government agent, a Fed sent to entrap them. When you said, we have to go into the Capitol, we have to go into the Capitol, what, what were you thinking? I said some stupid things. My thought process, we surround the Capitol, we get all the people there, I mean, I had, I had problems with the election. It was my duty as an American to peacefully protest along with anybody else that wanted to. That's right. Peacefully protest inside the Capitol, breaking the law. He said some stupid things. He didn't really answer the question about what was in his mind. It sure seemed like what was in his mind was that he wanted people to go in the Capitol so that they would get arrested because he did preempt that whole statement by saying, I might get arrested for saying this or telling you to do this. Seemed to, seemed to have a little bit better of an understanding of what he was doing than he leads on right here. His claim here, it seems to be that when he told that crowd, when he emphasized in, go in the Capitol, what, what he actually meant was not we need to go in the Capitol. He meant outside. We need to go outside the Capitol. So when he says in forcefully and with obvious intent, what he actually means is out, outside. Must have been a very confusing thing for his son growing up. You know, he comes up, hey, dad, where's mom? She's in the house. Kid starts to go in the house, opens the door. He goes, no, dummy. She's in the house right out there by the mailbox. Next, he explains what he said when he whispered something in some dude's ear, because we're going to see a video of him whispering in, in some guy's ear. And then this guy, you know, trying to charge through a gate, or at least pretend to anyway. And... Uh, He's going to tell us what he told this guy right before that happened. Let's see if you believe his evidence here or his claim. While President Trump was still speaking at the ellipse, Ray Epps walked toward the Capitol. He told us he wanted to be up front to help keep the peace. 
What happened next at Peace Circle, where protesters first overran police, is seen as a smoking gun. Epps pulled this agitated rioter aside and said something. Conspiracists say he was giving marching orders, because seconds later, this happened. The first Capitol Police officer goes down. As closely as you can remember, what exactly did you say to him? Dude, we're not here for that. The police aren't the enemy. Something like that. Something like that, eh? So we're going to play this clip a couple of times because I have a lot to say about this one. I saw this live. I remember it. I've talked about it on shows and actually have not had not come across it again until I, I watched this interview. But there's just there's a lot of questions that I guess this fantastic journalist at 60 Minutes just didn't cross his mind. But he said, hey, dude, we're not here for that. The police aren't the enemy. Simple enough. It's something like that anyway. He doesn't seem to be able to remember it very specifically. And then the guy he told that to immediately pushes the gate towards the cops. Again, the opposite effect. He said one thing, guy did the other. Maybe this guy understands that Epps speaks in opposites and thinks that Epps was saying to him, hey, dude, we are here for that, and the cops are the enemy. And then he just followed orders. Who knows? I want to break this down a bit more. The agitated people like that, because when you see the clip at the beginning there, let me see if I can pull that back. This guy, he was amping himself up before Epps went up to him. All right, you see this guy walking up to the... Let me just play it. I'm up All right, what once he takes his jacket off, you see he turns his hat around, this guy does, and, and he uh, just pulled his jacket off, turns his hat around, and then he kind of like walks up to the gate. And then Epps comes walking into the frame, right? Epps then puts his shoulder, his right hand on his shoulder, okay? In a very familiar fashion. And then the guy... With no resistance whatsoever, a guy who was just who just pulled his jacket off and turned his hat around backwards, amping himself up, feels somebody put their hand on his shoulder, and with no resistance, he turns around and allows this stranger to get real clo- lean in really close to his ear and start whispering stuff to him. That's not how someone, especially if they're agitated and ready to fight. That's not how they behave when a stranger from behind you that you can't see puts puts their hand on your shoulder and then tries to whisper closely into your ear. No, when a stranger does that, you jerk your arm away, especially if you're all amped up. And when they try to stick their face in your face, you lean away. He clearly has a relation. They know each other. This was some sort of coordinated action, in my opinion. Another thing here, you see how this guy on the left here, they're all looking to the right. This person's laughing. I'll tell you what my theory is on this in a second, because it looks like something very familiar to me, actually. I want to know why this guy just suddenly melted and all the tension that he seemed to be showcasing the moment before went away when Epps was talking to him. He must have a magic touch. And let's look at him pushing the barriers again here. I'm going to play this again. Aside and said something. Conspiracists say he was giving marching orders because uh, you see that that gate's being pushed, right? It's a very flimsy gate. Seconds later, this happened. The uh, first Capitol Police officer. All right, there he goes. Right after Epps was done, pushing the gate over. And, and now you see Epps here. 
there's a surge of this crowd, which, by the way, there's only like three police officers on the other side of this gate. And there's a surge of people here. Epps is behind. You know when a running back gets tackled? starts to get tackled by the, the defender and football and it'll pile up and the running back's still moving. And then you'll see like some of the, some of the running backs teammates run up behind the pile and kind of get behind the pile. Like they're going to push it. Epps seems to be behind the, the surge as though he's, he's like rolling with, he's not trying to stop anything. It's like, he's guiding it. Officer goes down. Okay. The police officer goes down moment is the thing I want to see next. This is the female police officer falling down. And she's behind the gate. And you see that gate? You see the opening right there? This gate is like, what, 10 feet long? All of these people apparently could have walked around this gate. So why were they shoving it? Why are they climbing over it? And why are why aren't they just running five feet to the right and going where there's no police officers? Because there's only three cops in this situation. Yet they all stay behind this one little patch of gate where all we have is a clo- like a really tight camera frame. Let me see the bird's eye view here. Why is this the only image or video of this little portion that we have? Now watch what happens next. Pay attention to this police officer on the ground on the right of the screen. You see that? The person over here to the right? That is not a cop. All right, there she is on the ground. This person is one of the protesters who was on the other side of the gate acting like they were pushing it. You see him, he's reaching his hand down to help the female police officer up. He's over there to help her. So, the first cop fell to the ground, and then what happens? The angry protesters walked around the gate and helped her. Now, this guy here, like, like this right here, this is ridiculous. All right, you see this guy in the jeans? Climb, there's a guy climbing over. Look, at the gate's open, and right next to the gate, you have a guy literally on the gate right here in the jeans, climbing over. A gate that a foot and a half away, he could walk around. And where does he go? This guy goes to this police officer right here. I know I'm dissecting this in detail, but I love deconstructing this stuff. And he goes to kind of reach over and grab this cop, right? Why is he doing that? Look behind him. Their goal here is to get to the Capitol, right? So they got through the barrier, apparently, even though there seems to be an open field everywhere else but here. This one little 10 foot or so gate was keeping them back. But now that they're through it, what does this guy do? He goes and engages the police officer to the left that there was no reason for him to go over to. All he had to do was run straight forward. There's no cops anywhere. Why did he go back and engage the cop? Watch, watch this little exchange here. It's close. Okay, they cut it off early. I watched that exchange. I don't have the full video of it, but... What they appear to be doing, in my opinion there, that guy and that cop, is they appear to be stage fighting. I've, sta- I've I learned stage fighting techniques for theater. I've, been, uh, I've done stunts in films that, I, that I've been in, like really awesome, cool stunts, uh, fight scenes and stuff like that. And this all appears to me to be a, a choreographed little scene that you would see on like a stage play or a short film. 
this this appears to be a set to me. I, I halfway wonder if what Epps whispered in that guy's ear was action. None of this seems genuine to me, especially when they helped the police officer up. That shows you they did not have ill intent. They did not want to hurt anybody because that is what you would do on a movie set. If somebody accidentally fell when they weren't supposed to, you would stop and you would help them get up so that they did not really get hurt. Now, I'm not saying that was the case inside people climbing the, the walls or breaking windows and stuff. I'm saying this looks like an isolated part of the Capitol. There's no one else around. You can put together a little film here and use that film for the propaganda purposes to push the narrative that you want. Okay, next, the 60 Minutes dude. Ask about that cop that fell down that we saw the one guy say, whoa, 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 because they were worried about it, it seemed like. And then the other guy walk around and lean his hand down to help her up, which they then cut the video off. He asked that about her while ignoring the fact that everything that we saw with him trying to help her happened. He completely pretends that didn't happen. Here it is. I think what is so damning about the video is that there's a barrier there. The barrier gets knocked down and a police officer, a female police officer gets knocked down. And the mob, including you, walk over the barrier and march on toward the Capitol. Why didn't you stop to help this police officer who was, who was knocked over? When she was knocked down and I started to go towards her to help her up, and I saw a billy club over here in the corner of my eye, and I thought, you know, they're going to think I'm part of this. So I backed off. You were part of it. I was there. I wasn't a part of that, knocking her down. And he wasn't part of the violence. There's a big difference there. There are so many lies in both the question and the response here that I, I don't even know where to begin. So let's just start from the top here, because literally nothing that they just said happened. None of it. It was all a lie. All of it's made up completely. They show us one thing on this video and then tell us the complete opposite. The 60 Minutes guy starts off by saying that the really damning thing about this video up on screen is that the barrier gets knocked down and the cop gets knocked down and then the mob, as well as Epps, then walks over the barrier and I guess also the cop who, in their version of the story, is still on the ground and then march together up to the Capitol. And he wants to know why Epps didn't stop to help that poor police officer who, I guess, like I said, in their version of the story, is still on the ground and must be getting stomped on and walked over and being subjected to all kind of violence, maybe kicked, who knows. To begin with, the barrier never fell down. It was not knocked over in this video. Maybe later it got knocked over, but he's talking about, he plays a clip and then he talks about what they saw in the clip. They didn't show us a barrier falling over. The barrier was kind of lifted up and moved around because it's very light and fragile and like a prop. I mean, this barrier isn't stopping anybody. And this is the, the barrier gets tilted a little bit, okay? It doesn't ever get knocked down because, they're you know, they're standing it back up. They're, like, straightening it out and stuff. And he's saying that everybody stepped over the barrier. barrier. No, they didn't all step over the barrier. There's one idiot who kind of climbed over when he didn't need to. But we saw the one person just calmly walk around the barrier. Everyone could have calmly walked around the barrier. There's an obvious opening right there. Secondly, and in Epps' defense, actually, here, Someone was already helping the police officer up 
as you can see, you're going to see it again. So there's that person leaning their hand down to help the police officer. And people were clearly concerned. Okay. The police officer was already standing up by the time Epps would have even got over there to help her. All right. So, which is interesting because of the, the reason he gives for not helping her. He, he says the reason he didn't help her in response to that question was that he started to, but then in the corner of his eye, he, he saw a billy club. That's, that's curious because you see the guy here leaning down to help the cop up, the protester. There's no police officer with a billy club in sight. There's no, there's no one in sight. There's no one over there except the cop and the guy who's about to help her up, which the video then cuts off. Where is this billy club cop? There's only three cops there. The other two are on the other side having a fake fight of their own. So that's an obvious lie, which is an interesting thing to lie about because it doesn't really make him look very good. He had to lie to, to maintain this little fantasy that they're, they're telling here. But if we were to assume that what he's saying is true, it's obviously not, then that would mean that the reason that Epps said he didn't help the cop was because he didn't want them to think that he was the one engaging in violence. So he left a female police officer on the ground, vulnerable to further violence, because he just didn't want any other cops to think that he was the one being violent. No, no, officer, I'm not involved. I'm just standing idly by and watching why they kicked the daylights out of her. What a good guy. All of that was a lie. Every single bit of it was a freaking lie. This next clip is my favorite here because apparently at some point when Epps was closer to the Capitol, he started to feel ashamed about everything that he saw and he decided to leave. But he reacted to that feeling of shame in a, in a bit of an odd way. Here it is. I looked back at the Capitol and there was people crawling up the Capitol walls and it looked like it looked terrible. I mean, I, I was kind of ashamed of what, what was going on at that point. So I, I started to walk out. That, that's what made him leave. I mean, just a second ago, he claimed to have basically stepped over a tiny female police officer who had been knocked to the ground, subjected to violence. He didn't help her up. Instead, he continued forward to the Capitol. And yet seeing people climb the wall at the Capitol is what made him feel ashamed. This is just all such bullshit. Here's what he did next. Once that shame set in and he left. I looked back at the Capitol and there was people crawling up the Capitol walls and it looked like it looked terrible. I mean, I, I was kind of ashamed of what, what was going on at that point. So I, I started to walk out. He told us that's when he sent this text to his nephew. Conspiracists saw it as the true confession of an agent provocateur. I'm going to take it back. So I'm going to tell you what it says on told the us that's on the text here. And I think that guy reads it too, but... It's a printout of text messages between, apparently, Epps and his nephew. It says, you and Jim be safe. I don't know who Jim is. And then Epps says, I was in the front with a few others. I also orchestrated it. When he sent this text to his nephew, conspiracists saw it as the true confession of an agent provocateur. I was in front with a few others. I also orchestrated it. Explain this to me. I was boasting to my nephew. I helped get people there. I, you see him smiling there? Like he genuinely is smiling like, like that's a good memory when he said that. Explain this to me. I was boasting to my nephew. I helped get people there. I, I was directing people to the Capitol that morning. You know how this sounds. 
I know exactly how it sounds. Smile again. Scolded by my wife for using that word. I shouldn't have used that word. Shouldn't have used that word, huh? So that was a weird sequence there. He's at the Capitol. He sees people climbing the wall. And that moment there, not, not the cop they're pretending is still on the ground or any of the other stuff. That moment, he starts to feel so much shame seeing that, that a dude who had been there for two days and obviously very heavily committed to this, the way he was, you know, trying to get people to, to come follow him and go in the Capitol, he decides he's just got to leave now because of the shame that he feels. And then he did, immediately did, what everybody obviously does when the feeling of shame sets in is he texted his nephew to boast about orchestrating and organizing people for this thing that he feels so much shame about. Is that normal? I mean, is that like the conflicting emotional states there? It just seems a bit weird to me. It's almost like a sick fetish, you know, like boasting to others about the immense shame that you feel. I feel sorry for the guy's nephew for having to listen to his uncle boast about all these things that make him feel deeply ashamed about himself all the time. Hey, nephew, it's me, Uncle Ray. I don't mean to brag, but I banged a 400-pound hooker last night on a dirty mattress next to a dumpster. Boom. Don't mean to rub it in your face. She certainly rubbed it in mine. It's like going to a confessional and bragging to the priest about all the sins you committed. I've always imagined, though, that'd be a great place to put a CIA plant. The priest and the confessional. Get everybody's secrets, man. Compromise them. Okay, final clip. Epps told us earlier that he's not working for the feds, nor has he ever been working for the feds. And obviously, we have no reason not to believe him. But for you cynics and skeptics out there who refuse to take the word of what's such an obviously honest man, if this next clip does not prove to you that he's not working for the feds, I, I don't know. I don't know what will, okay? If you're wondering what the FBI has to say about all this, for the past two years, it has said nothing. After repeated queries by 60 Minutes, late this past week, the Bureau issued this statement, quote, Ray Epps has never been an FBI source or an FBI employee. There you have it. The FBI says he, he didn't work for him. And the FBI always tells you who their covert operators are. I mean, that's policy at the FBI, right? They're very transparent about who is working for them covertly. Look how serious his face is. I mean, this is so stupid. That's the whole point of people being covert, is you don't tell them that they're working for you. And they, they mess with language, too. So it's like they, they say, what they say, agent or, I don't remember the exact word he used, but they call all these, these uh quote, employees or non-employees, they have different terms for them, like official terms for them. Here's some of them. They have confidential human sources, CHS. They have online covert employees, OCE. They have undercover employees, UE. And they have confidential informants. I mean, that's just to name a few. Oh, he does leave out one important detail about that FBI statement. The FBI has been asked this question before. And when both the FBI and the Justice Department were under oath and asked it, they refused to confirm or deny whether Mr. Epps was working with federal authorities. But of course, they would never lie to 60 Minutes. These are good journalists. They can just sense truth. Okay, well, I thank you for listening, by the way. I hope you enjoyed hearing the most lies possibly ever jammed into one segment by a couple of clownish assholes. This is put out here to be like, here is proof he's not a federal informant. No, it's not. He might as well have been taking calls from the FBI 
Like, like the phone rings in the middle of the interview. You might as well have gone, Ray Epps, FBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got to finish up this interview. All right, bye. Sorry, work. And then gone back into the interview. I mean, he could not have seemed more like a Fed if that would have happened. I think I'm going to close out the show there. I appreciate you guys watching, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.